Where are you watching? Oh, it's that uh, doctor thing. It's just really awesome how they were able to combine all the songs seamlessly from one to the other, from, all the way from the original song from the 50s. But I guess you aren't impressed. Oh, it's a pretty cool theme. I just never watched the show. That's actually the first techno song ever. Because what it was, was they, they took like links of uh, cassette tape of just computer making screeching sounds and they just sort of cut the tape in parts and sort of put them back together to create that sound. So next week we're gonna do what we're gonna do uh, this week in geek. Yes. How long's the show? Uh, no more than an hour usually. Okay. Usually. So we're just gonna show up, and talk about cartoons and what got us together and web comics and all that. Something like that, yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Oh, something I have to tell you. Did you know that? Uh, there was almost a, a Terminator movie about uh, the Pope's brazen head. No. Okay, what what was, was there's a myth that in the year 1000, Pope uh, Sylvester II had this uh, magic talking metal head that told him what to do. Sounds like something I have in my room. And what happened was, was a Hollywood writer heard this and like, Hmm, could this be a T-800's head that fell off and fell in the time stream? You think I'm making this up? No, I'm sure you're not. That's where it starts really picking up. Awesome. Just awesome, huh? Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, not everybody has to be a Doctor Who fan. I sort of grew up on it, you know. You know, public television had Saturday nights, late Saturday nights. Either had Red Dwarf or Doctor Who. Sometimes already being served, but come on. Fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, come on. And then later on, PBS started showing some really bad Britcoms like uh, My Hero, which first season was okay, but after that it went downhill. You ever seen Our Hero? British comedy about superhero was not very good. No survey. The only childhood memory of Doctor Who that I have is that is that a very famous uh, incident that happened in Chicago. Uh, somebody uh, took over the PBS airwaves for like 90 seconds, uh, broadcast himself or spanking himself or something. <laughs> it's it's some it's some it's like this weird thing that happened in Chicago one night, and like it. No one ever found out who did it, and it never happened again. <laughs> and there is, there is uh, YouTube clips of it. <laughs> okay, PBS Chicago speaking. Hi, Jack. Airwaves. I think you can pretty much just look up Chicago Hi, Jack. Uh, yeah, it's, it'll look like a Max Headroom thing. God damn it.
This did not really happen. It happened. This happened. I remember this happened. That just happened. Happened during Doctor Who. Yep, there it is. Yeah. And uh, I heard about it, but I obviously was not watching at the time. Oh my god, they couldn't find this guy? They could not find this guy. <laughs> Nobody knows who this is. Catch the wave? <laughs> I could find this guy. <laughs> Clutch cargo? <laughs> Well, the problem was he thought he was he's stealing CBS, not PBS. No, actually, he was attempting to pirate WGN in Chicago. He tried it earlier in the evening, but uh, they caught him and knocked him out. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, so he came on to dub, he came on to uh, Channel Eleven, the PBS station, later in the night, and uh, started doing this whole shtick on WGN. <laughs> oh my God! This guy, this just happened. And that's why he mentions Clutch Cargo, because Clutch Cargo was on WGN in the 60s, something like that. <laughs> that's big. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No. This happened. Jesus Christ. Where are the film pigs? Hang on. They're on their way. There it is. He had to call. Hello. 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 Okay, let's see here. My call recording equipment is not working for some reason. One second. But anyways, right. this is the pre-show period. The pre-show period. Fantastic. Oh, uh, the pre-show is basically where 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 Neil and I iron out the kinks, and uh, we try to form a rapport with the guest. <laughs> Before You're not going to be able to form a rapport with me. I'm I'm incredibly difficult. <laughs> well, this is going to be an awesome show. <laughs> well, uh, we had uh, Tiffany Grant on the show. She's a famous uh, American voice actress. And uh, what happened was uh, another guest on the show, my friend, actually a friend I knew for about 10 years named Rob, big fan of Tiffany Grant's. He, at, near the tail end of the show, he asked Tiffany about her role voicing for hentai, you know, Japanese porn animation. Ah, classic. And, yeah, and we were. And I couldn't stop apologizing. I'm like, I'm like Tiffany. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Tiffany. I'm so sorry. And uh, Neil was out because his jaw fell to the ground. You guys can ask Todd all about his porn work. That's not going to be a problem. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have no problem with that. Okay. Good. <laughs> so how does it feel? What did she wait? What did she say though? I mean, was she? She, she she was she was a sport about she act, I don't think yeah. he offended her too badly so I mean she does, she takes money for it so but it was did she think it was a secret Well it was a very long time ago and she used a pseudonym Oh okay oh, so wow. she thought it was a secret but that's cool that's funny that's funny <laughs> Well what happened was uh, Rob actually got her uh, her name wrong her her pen name wrong he he said Lucy Morals and she actually corrected Morales, and I don't know who that is, is what she said. 
<laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> Clearly, she had a sense of humor about it. Yeah. No, she was a good sport about. It. I think I think we're okay. But uh, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to this show. Uh, I know Neil was looking forward to having you guys on for the longest time. Oh well, thanks for yeah, having. Thank you. We're glad you did. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, uh, Paul unfortunately time. can't make it. He was he he was on board, but he's uh, in the middle of Weeds production, so he's pulling a deadline weekend this weekend. Weeds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's a writer producer on on uh, Weeds. Ooh, cool. I never watched the show, but I I know of it. It's about pot. <laughs> <laughs> I was on it, actually. Yeah, you did what? Two episodes? Three episodes? Three. Three episodes. Oh. It doesn't hurt to have a. In. Yeah. What season was it? Because you get attacked with a bat, don't you? Four, yeah. And yeah. you get beat up with somebody no, who beat so you up with a bat. No, they cut that. They, they cut that. Outrageous. She just threatens me with a bat and somehow pushes me down. Because that doesn't make any physical sense that Mary Louise Parker could push me over. Which you're professionals. So. But I mean, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, yeah. I sold it. Hmm, Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> She's okay. I guess I don't know. She's she's people like her. <laughs> okay, so so just a, just a quick question: How long have y'all been fans of animation? Well, I mean, uh, I'm I'm obviously not a fan of animation to the guy to the degree you guys are, but I've always been a great appreciator of animation. I would say that. Uh, uh, I'm more, I'm more of a layman, um, but I had a friend in high school who was, uh, you know, a graphic artist, I guess, um, and wrote cartoons for the local newspaper. And he used to go to every single animated film that came out, all the, you know, studio ones, and I would go with him. And then we would go to animation festivals uh, and all that when I was a kid. And I took that animation love. Of, I really love the animation festivals. Uh, the shorts, the edgy shorts. I remember seeing the the first Pixar, the the toy. Was that what it was called? The baby. It was the baby. The baby. Crawl baby. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. called the toy, right? I think it was the toy. Yeah. Um, anyway, I remember seeing that, and I, I have vivid memories of these great animated shorts that I saw at these festivals. And I don't know, maybe you guys can tell me where I can find some of them. YouTube. Uh, uh, yeah, they probably are all over YouTube now. Really? Yeah. Like you know, like all the Bill I, Blunton, I haven't looked like all for... the Bill, old Bill Blunton, uh Yeah, there are those that you can uh, find, but there was one specifically that has always stuck with me. It was called I think it was called Lazar or something, but it was about it was about this guy who was in a prison, and uh, when you get out of prison, they they put a big boot on you. Does that ring any bells? No, I think you're, I mean, I think this you're, is a you're, you're high a lot of the time. I was not so. high when I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the, it was the, good. What, what's the yeah? What's the prison boot cartoon? That's the what prison you're looking boot for. Prison boot cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's counting the days when he got out of right. prison. Then he had to go out in society, and he wears a big boot, and a it's hard boot. to get around with a boot. And there's a big giant that guards the city, and the city's behind giant walls, and he's constantly trying to escape. And the giant is constantly catching him and throwing him back into the prison. But then at the end, the giant, you know, and he goes and he counts the days and he gets out and he does it again. He does it again. And finally, the giant. I, I believe you've seen this. Giant. I believe. And it's I believe true. you believe. How can you've you seen make this. that up? And I then just, you, and you're then not the jog, giant. You're not jogging my memory at all. No, nothing. Nothing, you guys. 
No, no, it's <laughs> uh, uber obscure. No, I mean, and the thing is, like, the I mean, I, I think, I mean, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we're both, uh, we both appreciate animation, and we're kind of more layman. But um, something in more recent years is Todd has actually been buying lots and lots of Blu-ray DVDs this, this that are all that. these superhero cartoons initially because you just love the way they look on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, the, the <laughs> and we tend to kind of get drunk and watch a lot of them. All yes, now. yeah, they, I I love the way, uh, especially the DC ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bruce Tim. Yeah, Bruce Tim. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, less so the Marvel ones. I mean, some well, of the those Marvel are okay. Shit, that that's just that's just how it is. The Marvel ones are total <laughs> shit. Yeah, and but that does. It's kind of we were talking about this is how the Marvel live action Marvel superhero movies are way better than the DC ones currently. You know, with the exception of Batman, with the right. exception of Dark Knight. Um, but in the cartoon land, the DC cartoons are far superior. Well, they, yeah, I mean, Warner seems to be taking a lot more care. Um, well, with- it's sort of it's sort of accidental because uh, it's something that Neil and I discussed. What what happened was uh, pretty much Bruce Tim was given the reins pretty much accidentally because they're like, because they're like, hmm, you know, the, the Batman's cut, taking off again after the first two Batman movies. Hey, you, the guy that's working on Tiny Toons, uh, Bruce Tim, right. whatever yeah, your name yeah. is. Yeah, he took a, the, the old, yeah, the Batman uh, cartoon after that, yeah. Yeah, and then... And, and, and he started Batman the Animated Series, Bruce Tim, back in the in, the, in 91. And, or, yeah, and it just sort of took off from there. And and by the time, by the time they were, by the time that they were going to do Superman... Bruce Tim was so entrenched in DC animation that he had enough of a firm grasp to make sure that very little bullshit happened. Yeah, he's kind of become like the, the John Lasseter of uh, DC animated movies. Well, on the opposite, the only name that's in common with all of Marvel's productions is this guy named A.V. Arad. Yeah, who yeah. I don't think ever sat in on a single day of planning for any of the Marvel cartoons. No, no, no. The Mar- the Marvel stuff feels a lot more just kind of churned out. Um, well, and it feels uh, the animation itself to me feels farmed out. Well, it is. What well, what it is is. I mean, I know it's they all didn't have a, out They didn't now, have a studio look. They didn't have a studio look. Basically, what they're doing, they're having people draw like comic book style storyboards and sent them to Acom, and Acom churned out shit. And they're like, let's just use this anyways. Yeah. Well, it's it's done. So yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's not man. Although the Hulk versus cartoons, I thought were pretty hilarious, because it was. Oh uh, yeah, we talked about that. You should listen to our Marvel movies episode. We talked about the Hulk movies, and I mentioned I liked Hulk versus Wolverine just for one reason: Deadpool. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We were cracking up at that one too. It was better than the Thor one. Yeah, right. they were both sort of amusing for what they were, but the Wolverine Hulk movie was just that one was pretty. It was fun. just screaming. Yeah, it was just screaming. <laughs> And occasionally Wolverine would say something like, ah, I'm on your side. Ah! And then the screaming would happen and things would crash. It was kind of fun for that. We don't, I like that. You don't want a real introspective Hulk. No, no. Uh, I, don't cartoon. I don't want that. No. You want a screaming Hulk. Screaming Hulk is good. But that was... That, was, that should be the name of a band. The <laughs> Screaming Hulk. Screaming Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> We'll play. We'll play. We'll play your basement or fraternity party <laughs> for for a case of beer. Screaming Hulk in the banners. <laughs> well, that's nice. I like that. That gives it an air of class, though. You might. Yeah, well, that sounds, yeah it sounds like maybe like a like a like an R and B band. Yeah, that's an R and B. Screaming Hulk yeah, in the banners. Yeah. That's not. They're good. Yeah, they play weddings. <laughs> 
How do you like that one, Neil? I was I was trying to figure out a way to throw to uh, work in the throwing there. Oh, yeah. There's an episode of the old Hulk live action series, and we're getting a lot of air from one of you guys. Air? Like yeah. boo boo boo. Uh, Which one like, of uh, What's it sound like? Like an air conditioner, oh, possibly. Sure, oh, that would be the air conditioner. Give me a second. Let me kill it. <laughs> It's funny how that works. I assume that's what it's it It's going to get so hot in here, we're going to be so sweaty by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me close the, the curtain little. Give us an extra 30 seconds of uh, coolness before, yeah. The only thing I won't be able to help, I think we're about as quiet as we can get on our end. The only thing I can't help is if the fire truck show up outside uh, uh, my window, which does happen occasionally. Okay, well, as long as you're not sweating like some film pigs. Oh, God. Fire. Pigs don't sweat. Okay, well, I think, I think we formed enough of rapport now. It's uh, Let's get this started. Hey. Hello, and welcome to Animations Aficionados. Uh, tonight we'll be talking about Justice League. And uh, I, again, am your host, Ben. And you're, we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Not the bees. And we have <laughs> special guests. The Film Pigs. Hey. Hello. I, I'm uh, Television's Todd, Robert Anderson. And I'm uh, Steve Skelton. And we're glad to be here. It's very exciting. Yes. and We're, uh, we're in Los Angeles. Where, where are you guys again? <laughs> I live in Texas. Neil lives in Illinois. I'm right outside of Chicago. Yeah, oh, so okay. He oh, does things like the Chicago, Chicago way. So you guys aren't together mm. right now. You're in no. No. places. Oh, no, this... it's... Technology but... is amazing. Then I, I can't wrap my mind around this. <laughs> it's... I, I'm out of my mind right now. So uh, Justice League uh, was, uh, was the next culmination of the uh, Bruce Timm universe after the success of Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, and Batman Beyond came uh, Justice League. And Justice League was a little bit different. While the other series I named aired on Kids WB... On regular air television, Justice League was special in that it aired on Cartoon Network, exclusively on Cartoon Network. It never aired on any non-cable network as far as I know. Nope. And that's what makes it a little bit different. And Season 1s and Season 2 were my favorites because th- this was Bruce Timm saying basically, these are like miniature movies. These these are big adventures. We have to get all these heroes together. It has to be for a damn good big adventure reason. Now, now the uh, you're talking about because wasn't there was Justice League and then Justice League Unlimited? Unlimited. Are you yeah, separating like, those two? I'm, I'm. We're going to cover both on this podcast, but I'm separating those two for the for the sake of both of them have very different uh, dramatic uh, styles. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And like I said, the first two seasons, I I think the second season was my favorite out of the whole combination of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited because it had that big movie feel. At the same mm-hmm. time, it, it refined a lot of things that went wrong in the first season. I uh, well, I mean, for me, it, it's it's hard to discern which season was which because I got. Here's the thing: is I got the box set of Justice League because my kid loves superheroes, 
And I was, I was co- a little bit on the fence about showing a five-year-old a lot of those episodes because they can be uber violent. <laughs> um, but, at but, the but, same but, time, then, but then he figured, what the hell? Yeah, at yeah. the same time, I'm a selfish, terrible father. So I said, <laughs> ah, I like this. Let's watch it. Um, but I remember when I got the box set, they released the DVD box set. I don't think it's been released on Blu-ray, has it? No? Not that I know of. Um, but they, they, they screwed up the liner notes and everything for the box set and the labels. So in the box set, the seasons come out of order. And if you don't know what you're doing, the justice league unlimited seems like that's the first one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You guys haven't gotten the DVDs. Seriously. They, they put them in backwards. Well, the, like, I find the people that work on the DVDs are kind of ass clowns, personally. It's, well, obviously, uh, <laughs> if they can't get their seasons in order, because I, too, I'm, I'm watching I'm just them imagining, on a, like, a factory, uh, a DVD factory where clowns are just running around. And they look like asses? Yeah, and they're just throwing yeah, stuff in boxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, what was, for me, was that around the time that Justice League Unlimited was really taking off, they did a commercial for, uh, for the entire Batman the Animated Series box set. And what they did was they they really fucked up the commercial because they actually showed clips from the Crap Man, and that's not the same cartoon at all in the least. There's... <laughs> the Crap Man? That's the real name that's for the show. <laughs> really? What? Wait, are you are you joking, or is there really a show called Crap Man? Because I no. want to see the show called Crap Man. <laughs> well, no, the... that would actually be a good show. But he's talking about the Batman. Though. The Crap Man. Yes, I'm talking about the Crap Man. Okay, because I, I mean, honestly, I, 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 as we talked in our uh, pre-show, uh, what was it? We were we were bonding yes. in the pre-show. We, we now, were talk- now you've given away all the secrets oh, of shows. I've blown it. Um, but no, everybody we- knows about the pre-show. Oh, all right, well, oh, okay. You're clear. So oh, good. So we were. I don't. I, I mean, again, I'm. I'm way more of an animation novice uh, compared to you guys way more um but for me a lot of the series sort of at this point blend together and i've seen a lot of them um but you're talking about the batman the crap batman the animated and i mean the one that i'm familiar with and i think i've seen different versions of all of them the one that i've watched a lot because my again because my kid responded to it and i actually really like it because i think it's very funny is Batman the Brave and the Bold, but that's a completely different. That's a completely different animal that I have not even begun watching yet because uh, it's being produced by Sam Register and he's the one that produced the Crap Man and the, the guy is an insufferable ass. So the guy, so you don't like the guy <laughs> who produced the show that I like. Okay, no, that, that's totally Ben holds fair. a grudge. Well, what, that, what happened was, what happened was, and I'll explain this very clearly, was before. Even one episode of his version of a Batman cartoon came out. This was ten years after Batman the Animated Series ended. Before one episode aired, before, before you know, even even five minutes of animation was shown, he was asked in an interview how he thinks fans of the old Batman cartoon respond to his cartoon, and that's a completely legitimate interview question. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said? No. <laughs> he says my show will appeal more. To more people than twenty-eight-year-old virgins that live in your mo- their mother's basements. Wow, that is kind of an ass thing to say. Uh, yeah. So he was saying he's making. Wait a sec. So he was saying he was making a show not for people who have been longtime fans of Batman, the Bruce Timm stuff. Yeah, but yes. He was making a, a show for children. 
Well, what he was saying was he was equating anyone who liked the old series, who would complain about his series, had to be a 28-year-old virgin living in their mother's basements. He was attacking the Bruce Tim fan base, yeah. basically. Before even one episode aired. Damage control. That's, that, that is fascinatingly douchey. <laughs> but, but, but that's classic, you know? I mean, that's yeah. just like George Lucas saying, well, you know, if you don't like Phantom Menace, you're an asshole because it's for children. But there's an interview in Rolling Stone magazine where oh. George Lucas said that Star Wars is always meant for adults. What about that? George Lucas contradict himself? <laughs> what? It's never happened. Well, the richer he gets, the more he contradicts himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that I, I think Sam Register is a colossal ass, and I'm not going to reward him with my viewership. Okay. Are we well, digressing? Okay. okay. Yeah, we're, we're digressing because we're getting into Batman. We're going to talk about Justice League. But Batman <laughs> isn't Justice League. I would just say that. Uh, this guy's a douche. I don't. Uh, that's weird. I don't know what kind of role he played in the creativity involved in Batman: The Brave and the Bold. But Batman: The Brave and the Bold, I, I I enjoyed it a lot because he may have actually contradicted himself as opposed to that first statement. Because a lot of what's funny about Batman: The Brave and the Bold is they they bring back a lot of the Batman old Batman tropes. Even they do. References to the Adam West Batman, the live action. Well, what Batman. what it is is that what it is just why you can based off of the very few minutes of animation I saw in the production stills is they're doing the Bill Finger era of Batman, which is like what the fifth the fifties era, right? Is that the 50s well, era? actually, oh, Bill okay. Bill Finger was there since the beginning. It's uh, mm. you know, have well, you ever read the first ten issues of oh, Batman? Oh, they're so they're like the campiest, silliest things ever. I mean, you, you know what the first thing Batman said when he captured Catwoman in the in the original comics? No. Quiet or Papa Spank? Quiet or what? Papa Spank. <laughs> Papa Spank? <laughs> uh, that's not, that sounds like a porn parody yeah, of Batman. Yeah, that was that's weird. But moving back to Justice League, I'm I'm sorry Please. for that digression. Like I said, it's uh, this was what happened after this was at the height of Bruce Timm's uh, power as uh, as. Uh, as a head in the, in Warner Brothers animation, he was able to get this much power through lots of success, lots of success, lots of fan praise. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was able to get praise from uh, Roger Ebert and Leonard Maltin, and he's able to, you know, stand up and say, okay, I'm going to do something that's different. I'm going to do something that's an hour long format now. And, and it's it's got five heroes as an hour long format, and that's the that's the strength because he because it's not always all five heroes in every episode. Sometimes it's three or maybe four. It, mm-hmm. He doesn't have to have all five heroes in all episodes, and I think that was one of the strengths of the show. Wasn't one of the things was that one of the heroes always had to stay in the uh, watchtower? Yeah, the, the watchtower. Yeah. Yes. Well, but it was it was treated more like a like a live action ensemble. Yes, um, it was. Yeah, than yeah. a cartoon. Versus, I mean, it was, you know... Versus the original Justice League live-action pilot with, uh, with what's-his-name for MASH as uh, Martian Manhunter. And this is probably a ridiculous comment for this particular podcast, but I... <laughs> one of the... Because I, I always enjoyed... I, I enjoyed that entire series, and I enjoyed the unlimited... I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, but my five-year-old was very married to, you know, Batman and Superman. So when the episodes didn't focus on them, he became frustrated. Fussy. Got fussy. He got fussy, yeah. 
I, I think that's unfair because I think a lot of the strengths and a lot of <laughs> the first my five year old. <laughs> well, 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 let me just say that I thought that a lot, get, get of my <laughs> a lot of my favorite episodes were, you know, in the DC universe, they have what they call the big three. That's Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman yeah. Right, right. And uh, they also had these episodes where they had where they had Green Lantern, uh, Flash, Hot Girl and the Martian Manhunter. You know, yes, the, yes. The lesser four. You know, some people. I know lots of fans that say the lesser four, and I thought a lot of the best episodes in the first two seasons were with the lesser four. I agree. I mean, I I agree with you. I the ones because I was again. I mean, I'm not beyond not being as uh, versed in animation as you guys. I was never a comic book guy. I, I read comic books here and there, but I never followed you anything were, religiously. You were never one of those super nerdy guys that had to read the latest issues? I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> Just for the record. I, you I, said that. I, 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 was, I was that guy, though, in like junior I, high, I, high school. And, I, you know, honestly, quite frankly, I, I think that's an unfair... This is, again, I'm going off subject, but this is an oh, unfair stereotype of comic book readers, because uh, I don't think all... There's, uh, there's obviously some of them live in their parents' attics. Some of them are, yeah. Some people are nerdy people who live in their basement and read too many comic books. But I think comic books get read by an immense amount of people, and a lot of people enjoy them. And I've been handed comic books by people who aren't even remotely nerdy. I was introduced in college to Watchmen by a guy who's was ludicrously cool. I was, he was one of those guys. I don't know if you've ever met a dude. You're like, I wish I was that guy. Who's not a celebrity. You know, I, I wish I was him. And he handed me this comic book. I was like, I don't want to read a comic book. I want to get as many chicks as you. Do. <laughs> that's not important. What's important. That's, that's is never going to happen. Here's a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Here's a comic book. <laughs> Forget it. Here's a comic book. And, uh, you know, he, he turned me on to the, the comic book, which, you know, I, I love the comic book, uh, the graphic novel, rather, uh, of Watchmen. But, well, it's, uh, uh, I think it's unfair to, to say graphic novel as if a regular comic book is just a comic book. It's, a, it's, a, it's an unfair distinction. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, a graphic novel is just a comic book with better binding. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, yeah. It, it, well, actually, actually, the term graphic novel, I'm going to be a little bit of a historian here, was uh, pioneered by, uh, you know, Will Eisner. Well, Eisner was oh, okay. trying to sell trying to sell a book he called A Contract with God. I think you're familiar with it. If you're not, you should pick it up if you want to call yourself a comic book guy. And uh, Will Eisner was trying to pitch it to a publisher, and they're like, well, wh- why is this not a comic book? And he says, well, it's not a comic book. It's a graphic novel. Right, right. Yeah, it was just, okay, you know, it's, okay, it's not, bing, it's not a comic book. And well, uh, Will, uh, Will Eisner is one of the legends in the industry. Yeah. He uh, he taught everybody that who that everybody else knows is the greats. You know, he, he was a... Uh, he he worked with Jack Kirby. He worked with Wally Wood. He he worked with all the greats. Will Eisner, awesome. The Spirit, great comic book. Movie sucks, but that's beside this point. The movie Beyond sucks. Yeah, the Spirit was Beyond. That shit. movie, that movie was. Yeah. It assaults you. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like it, 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 it's it, the Justice League. To get back to the Justice League, uh, not being versed in comic books. Okay, I mean, for me, entertainment's entertainment. Right. Right. So in Justice League, I developed an affinity for Green Lantern. And I'm not saying I'm looking forward to Ryan Reynolds uh, movie. I'm well, not looking forward to Ryan Reynolds. You're no, you're, you're no you're... one looks forward to Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> well, some look forward to his abs. He's got well, nice yeah, abs. But I, he's I, got like 14 of them. I separate the abs from the man. Yeah. But I, I dig the character of Green Lantern. I dig the mythology of it. 
And I am actually looking forward to the Nathan Fillion the Green Lantern yeah, the, the, cartoon. The cartoon one, yeah. And and here's a question I have for you about Justice League, the movie, because we were talking, uh, were we talking in the podcast or the preamble about DC versus Marvel and the DC? Preamble, yeah. The, the, the preamble we were talking about DC movies, uh, animated movies being better than the Marvel animated movies that go straight to video. Um, and now they're doing a lot of tie-ins with their live-action movies. And I'm actually looking forward to the Nathan Fillion Green Lantern animated movie that's coming out. And I wonder how much, cause, uh, how much of an influence the Justice League series had on so many of these animated features, DC animated features. that oh, It's unquestionably a lot. It's because if it wasn't for the success of Justice League, because this was, this was uh, them moving a series from, like I said, from just a regular air television network to a cable network, and it was, wild, it was wildly successful. It had two seasons in the original Justice League and, uh, and uh, three more in Unlimited. So wildly successful. Unquestionably successful. Yeah, what were the what were the years of the show? When did they air? Uh, I'll tell you in just a minute. <laughs> that's well, just a, that's well, a solid wait. question. <laughs> but I, I while you're no, looking at it, cur- I'm curious as to as to like how that corresponds to some of the Justice League movies, like the the, well, the, oh, DVD the movies. early yeah. early animated films. I mean, uh, yeah, that's because mm. their look. Because I got into my uh, chronology of getting into the animated series uh, animated features comes after watching justice league um well let's see 2001 to 2004 was the run of the original justice league but then justice league unlimited ran from 2004 to 2006 so 2001 to 2006 a five-year run not too shabby for an animated series oh yeah yeah no that's uh, yeah because then that follows up with the uh what was the because the the ones i just watched recently were the, the movie ones were the with a crisis on two earths, which was what that was last year. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. Crisis. crisis on two the earths was originally meant to bridge uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. That was the original pitch for it. Right. But it, some minor details were changed. But even with those minor details changed, you can still tell where the seams were. Yeah, yeah. What were the first um, movies? I mean, if Justice League was sort of the launching well, pad for these feature films. What what were the first ones? Do you know? I mean, after... yes, I do. I do. The first one was Superman Doomsday, which I felt was kind of mediocre. Superman Doomsday. I well, I I can see I can see that opinion. I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, I think the when did there was one about uh, public enemies? Uh, Superman, oh, Batman, yeah. public. Oh, enemies. that was was shit. What? Total shit. You hated that. Okay. Well, that's it, it's cool. only because I, it's based off a Jeff, Jeff Loeb story. <laughs> the Jeff Loeb story made no fucking sense. It's not that it it it, it wasn't for me. Okay. It, yeah. The, but there's a lot of convoluted stuff that happens in all of those movies. Well, that's for not, me. The concept not, of Batman and Superman being public enemies while Lex Luthor is the president of the United States. The idea that, that superheroes idea. that know Superman and Batman for years are going to fight against them because Luthor, who they knew as a supervillain, tell them to, is bullshit. Well, okay. The idea that I mean, Batman can judo-toss fucking Captain Marvel into a mountain hard enough, he turns back into bleed bats and is bullshit. But for, but for, but for a political allegory, it was, it was kind of <laughs> spot on. It was kind of spot on. I mean, the Lex whole world Luther turned against him because Lex Luthor was a great politician. 
Lex Luthor injects a radioactive isotope that killed him before in his veins. That's bullshit. <laughs> all right. All right. But, but, no, but, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you got to remember the the perspective that I'm coming from. I mean, I, I'm coming from a very different perspective. But I'm not coming from a knowledgeable place of yeah. mythology. I'm coming from looking at it and justice league was this way and i liked it a lot i liked i i I think part of what's great about justice league also is the animation and the way the action sequences are edited oh oh yes it's a it was it was animated by two different studios at least but two of them did most of the heavy lifting in the first two seasons it was uh don wang studios uh korean studio and dr movie another great korean studio and this was actually the series where dr movie really got its really got its style defined because dr movie in the early '90s, did some real shit animation. Like but, what? Well, Do it, would I know it, or is the it the Street Fighter cartoon? Street Fighter cartoon? Um, oh, I didn't oh know. God! I, didn't look I saw I, Street I, Fighter with Van Damme. That there was, was a Street awesome. Fighter cartoon. The Street Fighter cartoon. My son. That Street Fighter. But yeah, it's a yeah. Doctor Movie did the Street Fighter cartoon, which sucked. But then Doctor Movie did the, the lot of the second season of Justice League. And most of Justice League Unlimited was Doctor Movie, and that was the best animation. I mean, Doctor Movie got almost TMS good. I I would agree with you. I mean, I think that I I liked again. I liked the whole series. Unlimited. But, but the episodes the that felt the episodes that felt average, those were Don Wang. Okay. But the, Don Wang still is a workhorse studio. There's only one Bruce Timm series that had only one animation studio that was Batman Beyond. That was oh. all Don Wang. Yeah, the only Batman Beyond I've seen was Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker or something like. I don't know what it was called. It was, yes, it, was, was a mo- it was a movie. But uh, but yes, it's uh, the first season of Justice League was basically the beginning where Bruce Timm was just starting. Yeah, on this team format, our format, he did a lot of things right. He did a lot of things right. He brought in these great characters that were. Cool and interesting, but he also did some things wrong. And the, the best part about Bruce Tim is, aside from being a guy that tells it how it is, he also can admit fault. In the season one of Justice League, what happened a lot was, number one, Superman had this aged look. He was just trying to make Superman look more defined, but the problem was uh, the animation studios didn't just quite animate it just right. Made him look, just made him look old. Yeah. And another problem was, at the... At the early onset of any fight, Superman gets knocked out of the screen, and you don't see him again because the intent was Bruce Timm says, "Well, everyone knows Superman can take care of himself." But the problem was to the viewer, it's like Superman's a wimp now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, lots of fans complained to Bruce Timm, and Bruce Timm rewatched the series, and he also George Newbern was doing Superman's voice, and he, <laughs> so George Newbern knew nothing about Superman or Justice League; he just was voicing it. Afterwards. Uh, you know, Bruce Tim had George Newbern sit down, watch the Superman cartoon, Superman the animated series, and hear Tim Daly's uh, portrayal of Superman. And season two, they cleaned up Superman's design to be the much younger looking one, and they had a lot of Superman centric stories where Superman was not this wimp anymore. And you know, basically, Bruce Tim admitted, "Oh my God, the fans are right," and he fixed it. He well, that's, that's great. That's actually that's cool because I mean that's like <clears throat> actually that that's the hard part with like a character well with Superman the prototypical superhero yeah. is that like mm. you know you're always having to skirt the fine line between he's so powerful there's nothing to really threaten him with yeah so he's not that exciting and you know 
trying to take him out of the equation enough to put drama enough drama in for everybody else, and he appears, you know, unpowerful. It's a hard thing. Or just yeah, vanishes that's for a, a huge, while. That's a huge thing that you have to overcome if you're telling an individual dramatic story with this beloved character. And he, I mean, and certainly, and I, I hate to keep bringing up my five-year-old. You're probably like, why do you keep bringing that up? But I, I'm, just, I, I, I'm, I've been thinking for aggravated. a while. You're yeah. aggravated, yeah. but <clears throat> I'm sort of seeing these things through the eyes of a child again, um, <laughs> because of that. And he is so taken with Superman. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, it's impossible not to be taken with a guy who can do anything. He can fly, and he's got one weakness. And people have to work really hard to get that weakness. And but the thing is, is if you have an all powerful being, super being, how do you make that interesting? And I would say that was the problem with the last live action movie. It was probably the problem with the last couple Christopher Reeve movies. It's just it's a hard thing to create that doesn't also involve other alien cultures, and then suddenly you're the you're getting first act from, and the third human, act. Humanity. Yeah, you're, you're the people, first yeah. act and the third act of the new Thor movie. Because to me, the most interesting thing of the new Thor movie was the human element, where he was in humanity and had to deal with it, and then he himself had to deal with being human. Does well, it, does personally, that... the biggest problem I have with the Thor movie was there were all these metaphysical comp- implications about uh, what Thor was and what the Asgardians were that were only briefly glossed on and it's the story that that's being told from the perspective of a bunch of scientists and they gloss on the actual scientific aspect of it it's like okay that's kind of bullshit that's actually a really good point i I would say i mean and this is a completely (laughs) different podcast uh, altogether but i would say that's a a a problem because you bring up science that's a huge problem with science fiction in general because Modern science fiction, I feel, has very little science involved yeah. and certainly very rarely actually takes on uh, current scientific theory. It usually goes with old scientific theory because it's based on old science fiction. But yeah. you can kind of cheat that when you're dealing with uh, a, a, you know, Norse mythology. You can, you can cheat it oh, when yeah. you're dealing with supernatural powers. However, I would say... Justice League is a fun show because the individual episodes um, and, you know, to varying degrees, of course, as any TV, there's no way of making a TV series where every single episode you're blown out of your mind. The best TV series can't do that. No, it's uh, not that you have to produce Um, too many. episodes. But but your mediocre episodes, if they're watchable then then you're in a good place and i mean and i would say justice league for me watching it you know on dvd uh, worst case scenario i was not quite paying attention but amused enough to enjoy the visuals and the action well look i mean a lot of the key a lot of the key thing things behind like a lot of the bruce tim produced stuff i mean the justice league but all even going back to the batman is he's got a real good uh, ear for timing Mm-hmm. And timing of story beats and story points, and a lot of live action superhero movies could take a lot of lessons, you know, from, I, yeah. from I that because agree. you know because too many of them, and even the big hits. I mean, you go by like you know the you know the first Iron Man movie. It takes forever to get to Iron Man, but when it does, it pays I'm, off. 
Yeah, but, but you like you spent like an hour and a half yeah, later. I, I I don't like the first Iron Man. I don't like either of the Iron Man movies. My main problem with the first Iron Man movie is it's mostly about Robert Downey Jr. building a suit, and that. Well, I'm I'm well, and, the, and, and I, I like that, but that's because I used to be a blacksmith. <laughs> so yeah, it but, speaks to a different. Yeah, okay. speaks to a different I audience. apologize. Yeah. I apologize. That was out of line. But uh, anyways, back to Justice League. Uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned season one, season two. The difference. It's uh, another difference was, like I said, I, what I loved about Bruce Tim was, you know, comics have a continuity, and the problem Marvel had was Marvel used the continuity as the Bible, while Bruce Tim used it as a suggestion guide. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and if I don't know if you know, but in the uh, Marvel, in the DC comics, you know, Aquaman for a period of time had a beard and a hook for a hand. Yeah, yes, I remember yes, that. Yes, yeah, yes. I remember when he had his yeah. hand cut off and he had a beard. What <laughs> well, was, like, well, was in the comic? You, you want to know how Aquaman lost his hand in the comics? How? Well, it was eaten off by piranhas. You know how? You know what? That's Bruce awesome. Did? <laughs> you know what that's that's awesome. You know what Bruce Tim did for the cartoon? He had it where Aquaman was chained next to a lava vent with his infant son, and he's chained <laughs> down. He's able to cut one of the chains off, and he's trying to cut the other one off. He only has seconds left, and he can't cut through the chain, and he has to save his infant son. So what he does instead is he cuts his hand off. That's better. That's better than Piranhas. Oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's no, it's it, more dramatically sound. No, and it's story than wise, and there's yeah. a better message. But in you there. just like. But I want to see Aquaman's hand eaten <laughs> off by piranhas. I, I well, number one, it makes the 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 loss of the hand and puts a hook in there. It makes it more badass. Number two, it makes Aquaman fucking badass. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. As opposed you're to a guy right. who accidentally fell into some piranhas. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Still, well, I, if I remember the comic correctly, it was actually a comic written by Peter David. Uh, you know, you might as well be very with Peter David, but the, what was was they were freshwater fish, so he couldn't talk to them. Oh my god! <laughs> Are you serious? It's a different dialect. It's totally different dialect. <laughs> Do, could you can loosely communicate with brackish fish? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's it's sort of like talking you... to uh, talking to a bull shark. You know, they go into freshwater all the time. It's like it's. <laughs> I bet all just... freshwater are like, oh, all the freshwater fish are like, oh, here comes the out of towners. You need... just, just use fin language. <laughs> yeah, fin la- you just need you need uh, one of those bull sharks to be a translator. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he like, should like always, in the United Nations. Yeah, he would always be swimming with one of those sharks. <laughs> this is where I really have to thank Bruce Tim because he he actually influences the comics. It's not the other way around. Personally, I've I was not a comic book geek when I was a kid, so. Jumping into X Men, the X Men cartoon, I was completely lost. Yeah, nope. you would be. If- yeah, jumping into this cartoon. Well, it's not. Even, into- well, it's not even jumping into Justice League because number one, Bruce Tim created the the DC animated universe properly by doing a gateway series with Batman. Batman yeah. is a gateway character, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you could actually jump into Justice League and not be lost. That but is that's, true. But that's but yeah, that's that. I mean, that's like a you know, that's just a case of like. You know, a you know, good show running, a good good creative. Yeah, I mean, the first episode, of Justice League, uh, actually has all the characters meet for the first time or team up on this large scale for the first time. While the first episode of X Men has all these people together, like, okay, who are all these people? Yeah, where are all these people, and we have all our stupid fighting that we're doing with each no. other and backstories that we make references to, but you have no idea what we're talking about. In it's bad, a com animation. 
when you say the X Men series, what are you? You're not. Are you talking about the Wolverine and the X Men, or is there an the, earlier the Fox series? The 1991. Or? Yeah, the Fox series. Well, no, yes, one? before. Oh, I think, okay, yeah. okay. Because I, I, I've never seen that. I, I've seen Wolverine and the X Men, and I'm fine with that. But it's... well, that that one's better because that one's actually done by a real team. But uh, it's a uh, no. The the uh, 90s X Men series, the one that certain people love for some reason, I can't figure out. Okay. I, I've never seen it. I kind of want to now, but I... but that was kind of like at the same. At, I mean, I mean for me, and that was like kind of that was like early '90s, and so that was kind of my, uh, you know, falling out of love with mainstream comic books and mainstream X Men because everything got so convoluted storytelling wise. Yeah, they did all that with the cartoon. Well, well, yeah. Bruce Tim, Bruce Tim's like, this is not the Bible. This is just a suggestion guide. Okay, Aquaman of the Hook, I can work with that. Aquaman's head eaten off by piranhas. Scratch that out. <laughs> okay, he still has a hook hand, so fine. <laughs> yeah, I like piranhas. Look, to, to get off the piranhas. <laughs> they ate off Jerry O'Connell's cock in that movie. Oh, can we not? <laughs> uh, now, you have to, now they're going to have to bleep that out. created work sorry, for them sorry, to bleep sorry, out. Sorry. Way to go. Nice. Is nice it, we, 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 blasted through, we blasted through the uh, explicit uh, barrier months yeah. ago. Well, uh, the uh, the next uh, the next thing I wanted to, to bring up is, uh, you know, the the obvious shift from season one to season two. Season one was definitely them trying out the team format. Uh, and uh, Blob, what Bruce, Tim, and the producer said, you know, to fans was correct that when you do a team story, it really helps to have the hour format, number one. Number two, it really helps to not always have all the team at the same time. You know, just do parts of the team. Parts of the time is always good. And number three, you know, it depends on it depends on you always have the characters split up and not always have them all together all the time. That way you can have these different personalities clash against each other, bounce off each other all the time. That's really where the strength was was Bruce Tim understand understood the limitations and played with what would be the strengths with those limitations. And season one, season two had that dramatic shift because season two, like I said, Bruce Tim learned a lot of lessons, was humble enough to admit where he was wrong. And came back with a much stronger product, a lot more Doctor Movie episodes. It's a uh, wow, a lot of great episodes in season two. Uh, my favorite ones were, of course, uh, the one with Doctor Destiny. That was a great episode. And of course, I loved Twilight. Twilight was the first episode of season two, my absolute favorite because Twilight oh. was an apology to all the Superman fans. <laughs> Uh, remind me, uh, because I'm not that well versed in Twilight, but that sounds really familiar. The title was that. Uh, that was the one happened? With the dark side. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, was there's that no vampires more, in it. Okay. Was that because I'm talking from a DVD perspective, and they're not, uh, as far as I know, they're not an hour long format. They're they're half hour shows. Forty minutes because forty minutes because of. Without commercials, it's forty minutes. Without commercials and stuff, but there are um, yeah. there are a number of them that are multi episode on the DVD. Yes, yeah, so Twilight like arcs. There, yeah, multi episode arcs. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Twilight was a uh, so called two parter. If you're watching it, because when these when they originally aired on Cartoon Network, they aired on Sunday, on Saturday night as a single part, and then they aired again as two parters split up. Okay, and that's how they split them up on the DVDs. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Twilight was a really good one because it had a lot of really good battle animation. It, ha- it was the apology to the Superman fans. It played off the season, the series finale for Superman the Animated Series. Uh, it 
was just a whole lot of kudos to the team for really going where they needed to go with it. And it's one of my favorite episodes. It also was the beginning of uh, what happened was when, uh, when Bruce Tim was working on season two, they decided to do something really bold. They decided they were going to have a traitor in the Justice League. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they had hints all throughout season two of who the traitor was. And the implications were, ver- were if you look throughout the whole season two, you'll see hints that it was Hot Girl out throughout the series. Because in, in, uh, in Twilight, when they are looking at all the plants Brainiac visited, uh, Martian Manhunter man- mentions maybe we can see Thanagar here, and Hot Girl refuses to look and says, let's keep going. In the episode uh, with Doctor Destiny, they mentioned, you know, they mentioned that they can't go into Hot Girl's mind, which means that she has a she has a mental barrier that keeps people from reading her mind. And uh, and when the, in the episode with uh, Solomon Grundy, another great episode, they actually they act, when Hot Girl saw the Thanagarian runes in Doctor Fate's room, she got really mad and wanted to know what Doctor Fate knew about Thanagar. So there were hints that Hot Girl was keeping something secret that were that were innocent enough that you really wouldn't know what they were until you saw the season finale of uh, season two, Star Crossed, and then put it all together. And they made sure you cared about her the entire season. It's not like a certain other cartoon that introduced the character in one episode and then immediately had her turn heel in the next episode. Well, that's but see, I mean, but that's the you know. Uh, you know, Bruce Tim taking his cues from a large ensemble live action serialized drama. Yeah. And not cart you know, not t- traditional cartoon storytelling where, you know, you're you know, you're you're you know, you have a large cast but you split them up into different scenes into different stories so you can have them bounce off of each other and you build things um across the season that had that have a reveal and then have an actual meaning at the end of you know when the reveal actually happens. So I think that that's something that kind of is, you know, what you know, what sets like Justice League or, you know, or or the movies that followed apart from a lot of other, you know, animated superhero films is that, you know, they're really following more of a, you know, live action scripted drama format than, you know, the typical, you know, the or, you know, more the, you know, older churning out cartoon format of just put everybody on screen at once and give them all their one-liner and then have things fling at each other. But it's also, it's also really smart because what they're talking about is what I'm sorry, what they're, I'm talking about you, Ben, uh, what you're talking about is kind of awesome. And that doesn't happen enough. I think in, in scripted television, live action television is a, a happy marriage of the, uh, uh, you know, cliffhanger thing, introducing characters that'll turn into something that matters at the end of the season. But at the same time, each individual episode exists on its own as its own movie, as its own story. Uh, But in those stories, they're planting seeds for this thing that's going to culminate towards the end. Yeah. So if you've you've seen them all, when you get to the end, but if you you haven't, it doesn't matter. And I, I think that's I, I think that goes beyond animation. I think that goes into because I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't stand serialized storytelling that simply we're working up to the next cliffhanger, which honestly, I, I thought that's what Lost got into by the end. By the end of it um, was, well, we're just going to 
make sense of it by you know as we go versus here's a show where each thing you know is its own but adds up at the end to you know uh, an entire arc of storytelling I, I i think that's really i think that goes beyond uh just animation and, and and it's important an important lesson for all i don't know storytellers who work in the tv medium yes and uh spoiler alert the ending of lost is they died in the plane crash and they were in purgatory for all those years which is oh. which is the dumbest fucking thing i could have imagined. <laughs> i thought the alternate universe was just the cast party at the end of the show <laughs> Yes, like ah, I really liked working with you. They were both purgatory at the same time. That was the thing. They were they were all died in the plane crash, right? And they were and also purgatory is filled with ludicrously attractive people. Yeah, even uh, even stepfather, he's gorgeous. He's an attractive man. Attractive man. Even the old guy was gorgeous on that show. What the fuck? Ben, you've ruined Lost for me. I was so intent on watching that. <laughs> have you seriously not seen it, or are you? I've not. I've not seen a single episode, and I don't intend. To. <laughs> no, good for you. Don't. I thought the end. The end of Lost was that they just uh, ran into the end of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I like Battlestar. You like Battlestar? I love the first two and a half seasons. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really like the first two and a half seasons too of the of the new Battlestar. But the end, I oh, I wanted to hurt myself. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I'm, I I feel like Battlestar painted itself into a corner that it couldn't get out of. And what you're talking about? Well, would you just, rather they would you rather they came to Earth in 1980? Actually, it I would flight, have. It, has, it had fighting, flying motorcycles flying and they motorcycles, time. Yes, yes, they yeah. through time and they're close, turn, they're close turn right and they use microwaves to defeat Cylons. Would you rather and that happen? And they save whales. And they save But whales. you know what? Flying motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, that sounds all right. I'd like to be on, I'd like to ride on a flying motorcycle. Yeah, hell yeah. Not, I, don't I don't want to build a cabin with Edward James Olmos. I have a serious, I have a serious problem with marrying your science fiction with uh, religious nonsense. Um, he talks about this a lot. That's Ronald I'm, Moore, though. That Ronald Moore's known for that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a Ronald Moore. That's fine. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I just got he involved. Did in space, he did in the Space he Nine. The space, yeah. space Nine was brilliant for it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean Ron Moore. Like, yeah, I mean he paints himself into a corner and then Deus Ex Machina's his way out of it. Well, I'm not saying you can't get away with marrying the two, but it, 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 you have to do it pretty meticulously. I, I, I think they failed with both Lost and Battlestar. It, 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 it was uh, for me. If, if you go to story writing 101 class, they say one thing you can't do is you can't make it all right by waking up from a dream. You know, all this crazy um, stuff. Unless, is unless you're waking up next to Suzanne Plachette. That's okay. If it's yeah. Newhart, it's okay. But it's comedy. Um, but if you're waking up from a dream, it's it's not a decent resolution. You, I mean, and that's all, hey, we were just in purgatory the whole time. That's not a resolution to your story. That's and all not, of this has so much to do with Justice League. Oh, we get off on tangents. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what we do too. But like I said, it's uh, like... What I loved about Bruce Tim was 
what he did that Marvel didn't do was, like I said, he used the comics like a suggestion guide. And one of his most brilliant episodes was one where he married two unrelated Superman stories together for one episode. He married uh, Death of Superman, with, which is a modern age comic story from the 90s, with a Silver Age story called Under the Red Sun. He married them together for one episode. Basically, what happens in this episode is Superman is zapped by a gun, and it looks like he was killed. But what really happened was he traveled into the far future to the point where the sun has turned red, and he's the only man left alive. And this is combining two stories because there's two parts of this episode. The first half was about the world trying to cope without Superman, and that's totally world without Superman from the 90s comic. While the mm. second half is Superman in the future trying to find a way to get back. Okay, that... Yes. At, did you see... Uh, what was it called? All-Star Superman? The, the, the latest DC uh, Yeah, we will talk about that in the DC movies episode. <laughs> not sorry, sorry. now. You cannot but, but talk no, about no, it now. No, no, no. Well, I, well, I won't Unbelievable. talk in detail it's about so it. Rude. But, I mean, I it's would like, say it's, that... It's the, it's the greatest Silver Age Superman story ever, yes. You like so you like that movie, Great Superman is greatest Silver Age Superman story ever. Okay, I I dug that movie a lot. Um, as did my five year old. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, what what you're talking about sounds like and and again I don't understand the chronology of all these things. The the comic books inspiring these episodes that then inspired. You know this movie, which I really enjoyed. What what what's the chronology of that? Would you say? Well, All Star Superman is basically a throwback to the Silver Age comics, where Alan Moore, uh, you know, no, it's not Alan Moore. It was Grant Morrison that wrote it. Grant Morrison, apologies there. Grant Morrison wrote this comic called All Star Superman, which was a throwback to the uh, Silver Age Superman stories. You know, the big wacky ones where he uses a where he uses a giant key to unlock the fortress, and he has a Batman robot and all this stuff. And uh, it's a throwback to it, but it was like the greatest Silver Age story ever. It was it was cheesy, but it took itself seriously without being uber serious about it. It was, you know, it's a modern comic, but it was written in the Silver Age style, is what I'm trying to say. So the the comic that that movie was based on had the kind of self-sacrifice thing that Superman did. Yes. And that did that. Okay, this is again tangential, but uh, your knowledge of these things helps me understand other things. Um, does that predate all the self-sacrificing disaster movies that happened in the nineties? You know, no. Are you talking about Superman in general, or are you talking about? No, all- no, no, I'm talking about because in the, that the movie, All-Star. Superman. You're talking about the All Star. Su- yeah, All Star Superman at the, the end of that movie. Material. Yeah. Uh, but, well, I only know the movie. In the in the end of the movie, he flies in the sun. The only way to like stop the sun from destroying the earth is he flies in the sun. Right? Spoiler alert. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> spoiler alert. I assume anyone who listens to this <laughs> I know, knows what the fuck we're talking about. Well, All you know Star. Well, All Star was written in the two thousand. So I'll just let you hear that. Okay. So it came. When did Armageddon come out? Late nineties or early? Yes. Uh, yes, I think it was late. So this, late 90s. so that came out of it was Superman pulling an Armageddon. It was, it was it's it's it's, it's the it's the it's a quintessential Superman story though. That's that's what Superman is about. Superman is about that. It's 
you can't, can't really say the ripping off Bruce Willis or Michael Bay because I don't think. Well, but, but, but but it was it was in the same period where like disaster movies were because I mean like in you know in movies you know it's like you know they always come in threes there's three disaster you know whatever whatever the current uh, subject is and in the late nineties early two thousands it was disaster movies and so that was kind of informing pop culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with taking inspiration from another source and putting it into yours, but I, I, that's an interesting thing to me because you know if you look at something arbitrarily, you look at something like the James Bond franchise, and that, like Superman, has gone on for an immense amount of years and takes its a lot of its storylines from other current pop culture storylines, right? So. I, I just to me, it's interesting the evolution of that, and and the, I thought All Star Superman, and I didn't read the comic book again. I just saw the movie. I thought it was really, really good. It was a really solid story, and it and, and it was exciting throughout and moving at the end, and to make a cartoon movie that's moving at the end is I, I think exciting. Okay, you know I mean? I, yeah, I'm I do. Throwing that out there, I'm just putting it out there. Okay, well, like I said, the. Uh... Moving back to uh, Justice League. <laughs> yeah, we keep we keep moving away. From is that. is that what we're talking about? What? Well, well, like I said, it's it's a lot of the, a lot of things that they had to do was uh, Tim Tim Daly could not reprise his role as Superman when they started making Justice League, so they had to get uh, George Newbern. And as I said earlier, well, what was Tim Daly doing? Yeah, what the fuck was Tim <laughs> Daly doing? I think I auditioned for Tim Daly. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I have auditioned for Tim Daly. Like he, he was, got, what's he so busy no, with? No, no, it makes sense. Around that time, he was starting to make pilots. He was starting to produce pilots. Oh. And I auditioned for a Tim Daly-produced pilot that he was also going to star in. I yeah. auditioned for him yeah. in some arbitrary... How badly did that one fail? Uh, you mean my audition or the show? <laughs> the pilot. The pilot. I think, I think both my audition and the show went poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, what were they expecting? Wings? <laughs> why, why would you expect wings? I, I wish I could work on a show that was on the air as long as wings. Yeah, what was that on, like eight years? I don't know. It's a, what, what kind of... I just remember the shitty movies he was in after wings. Tim Daly? Yeah. Yeah. He was in yeah. some stinkers. Yeah, one of them I think was just called stinkers. <laughs> or lemons or something. <laughs> Sour grapes. No, he was he was in that he was in that, that Stephen King made for TV movie something or other. Oh yeah, he was in uh, uh, he which was in was a bunch it? of Stephen King movies. He was in uh, the the not the Tommy Knockers. That was uh, no. That was Jimmy. And, he, he, no, no, no. Jimmy Smith was in Langoliers. He was, but he was in, but wasn't he in Carrie or The Stand or one of those? He was why, in a, he know, was why in a not? bunch of them. Why not? Sure. He was in a bunch of them. Let's talk about Stephen King. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but like I said, Tim Daly was unavailable, so they got George Newbern. And like I said earlier, season one, he was giving a very bad performance, but it's not George Newbern's fault because once George Newbern was given something to sink his teeth into, he did a phenomenal Superman. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, did the Daly, only did Daly do Superman after he left? Did he do it in any of? He the... did some movies. Uh, he did it in the crappy Public Enemies movie. Okay, stupid Public Enemies. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that movie. Um, I really liked it, but uh, no. Uh, uh, sorry. 
And uh, the only the only voice actor that they got right out of the gate that was reprising their role from a previous Bruce Tim animated series was Kevin Conroy. Oh yeah, Batman. yeah, Batman. Yeah, he does a great. The Batman. funniest stories about Kevin Conroy's Batman was at a convention a couple of years ago, right after The Dark Knight came out. A fan asked Kevin Conroy at a convention, "Did hey did the Warner Bros. ask you to redub uh, Christian Bale's Batman voice yet?" <laughs> that would have been awesome. And he also That's asked cool Christian idea. Bale to he also asked Christian Bale to say, "I'm not the one wearing hockey pads in the, the Batman voice." <laughs> do, you think, do you think Christian Bale is is doing the best uh, Batman voice? I mean, honestly, I mean, it's just this isn't me being snarky. Oh, this is oh, me crap, asking crap. questions. I just had, I just had. What? What's that? Ben. Hello. Ben. Ben's gone. Oh no. All right. Yeah. Ben's well, gone. Well, we we all knew going into this, we weren't all gonna make it. Out. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, he's uh, reloading. <laughs> okay, something's happening. Do you okay. edit this stuff out? This has been fun. This is yeah. fun. I'm having a good time. I would, I would happily do this on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> Just interesting conversation. It says he's still on. Maybe uh, there's been a home invasion at Ben's place. Oh, Jesus. We should call the police. Do you think he knows he's been disconnected? Or we well, at this back? point, yeah, he knows he's been disconnected because no one's responding. It would be awesome <laughs> if we, he reconnected and he was still in the middle of the monologue. No, he'll just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just lost power. Oh, like, okay. like, like at his home? Tornadoes yeah. are hitting Illinois? Why not? No, he's, oh, in, he's Texas. in Texas. He's in Texas. So. so what hits Texas outside of... Okay, I gotta invite him in. Um, where the hell is he? Is he on the run from the law? Is that why he's had to disconnect? God damn it! These cigarettes, they run out of batteries. <laughs> I can invite him back in, but I don't see him online. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's dropped on our end. What's become of Ben? Okay. Let's just finish the show without him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> He's coming back. He's being resuscitated. <laughs> Claire. <laughs> Claire. Okay. One more time. Give me 300 jewels. And, you know, you don't shock a flat line. No, don't shock a flat line. It's a waste of no. time. If I've learned anything, it's that you don't shock a flat line. Oh, failed. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is outrageous. What's up with Texas? This is the first time this has ever happened. We have lost Texas. I blame myself. <laughs> I blame you, too. <laughs> is this your only podcast, Neil, or do you do other ones? I do. I, this is the only one I do. There, there, there's Ben. Oh, Are you oh. there? Uh, yeah, I'm having to do this on my on my phone right now, my Android powered uh, smartphone because it, it we just sounds lost the awesome. Power. It sounds awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow, I can't believe this happened. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. When did y'all discuss why I was partially out? What? <laughs> 
There's like feedback funny on this. Uh, should we just uh, call it at the end of the day? We didn't even touch Unlimited yet. Oh, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'd like to touch Unlimited even if uh, I have to do this on my phone. You know, it's still doing something. Well, every time one of us talks, it's like echo. So we got a real problem here. Do you, do you hear an echo right now? Oh, yes, you do. No, we hear it. I think it's smooth. I think we're fine. Yeah, I'm gonna just let's just let's just try to uh, as uh, Kitty Hawk says, power through. Ladies and gentlemen, the remainder of this recording was so heavily distorted that we cannot reasonably expect you to listen to it. Therefore, we will move on to our closing thoughts of Justice League and our discussion of Justice League Unlimited at a later date. In the meantime, please enjoy this outtake reel from the opening of our show. I know this is going to make Mike Blanchard gnash his teeth into a fine white powder, but I can only think of three Stan Bush songs that are worth listening to, and I would still recommend Skid Row and Motley Crue over him any day of the week. Well, I, I would honestly ask him, why the fuck did you try to sound like Linkin Park? Yeah, I can't pretend to like his music that much. No, the thing is, the trans, you know, you got the touch, that's okay, but then he does it, he does it like Linkin Park, I'm like, why? All the charm, all the 80s charm is gone now. Yeah. This emo bullshit now. What the fuck did you do? No, but I, I've heard other songs by him, other than the stuff he did for Transformers. By the way, the other song he did for Transformers, he didn't write that. What? Uh, and, Dare? Dare. Yeah, he didn't write that. That that song was written before he even got on board. Didn't he write Till All, Till All Are One? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> Let's hear how. what you think of that song. That song's okay. I think that's just him trying to milk the Transformers thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Actually, I like I like the version he did before that, where it was he did like a 1997 version where he couldn't say Transformers in the songs, so he had different lyrics for it, yeah, and that one's okay. But he did songs for like Jean Claude Van Damme movies and all these horrible action movies, and they're not very good. Oh, and he's recorded that song so many times. Yeah, I'm looking for the shitty one. That's not the shitty one. That's the one he recorded the same year he recorded the shitty one. Where, where's the shitty one? I don't know. That's not the shitty one. Where's the shitty one? Just look for look up Sam's song. Sam's song? Yeah. Bullshit. I believe that's what he called it. Sam's theme? Sam's theme. Purchasing all. This is bullshit. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong that he's copying Lincoln Park. He's copying Lincoln Park. He looks. He looks like. What the fuck? <laughs> that guy looks. That guy looks like someone did a fusion dance between Matt Seiko and, and uh, Stan Bush. 
<laughs> no, the guy rapping right now looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, Mike says it's better without the rap. Like, no, it's still shit. Oh. Am I wrong? Yeah, it, it, there's not one bit of this song that's good. <laughs> See, Eric Clapton slowed down Layla, but it was still the Eric Clapton style. What, what he did here is just a travesty. Yeah, yeah, I like both versions of Layla, by the way. Yeah. I like the other one because you can really hear the acoustic guitar yeah. a little bit more, but, but that's because I'm an acoustic guitar junkie. You know, sometimes I like electric, but acoustic is where I, my heart is, you know? Yeah. And I guess the guy who wrote the instrumental part of that song is now in, like, a mental uh, institution. Yeah. Sam's theme. You are. T- He's been trying to get into the into the Michael Bay movies for years. I'm like, it's not gonna happen. I thought they should have given him at least a cameo, like, like have him like. Well, I wanted them to have Frank Welker and uh, Peter Cullen as just two guys talking at a at like a restaurant. See, that would have been great. But then like some guy in a in a yellow Volkswagen Beetle pulls up, and he rolls on the window to Stan Bush, and the song is playing in the car. That would have been way too obvious. That would have been awesome. That, that would have been worse than staying Lee's cameos. <laughs> yeah, those are fucking shit. <laughs> I like I like the I like the way that Iron Man does it because it's like they don't even let him talk. It's like, wait, he's he's Hugh Hefner or Larry King, but we don't let him talk. And all the other Marvels and movies are like, we have to have him talk. I mean, in Spider-Man Three, when when Stanley's giving the speech, I'm like, shut up! You didn't even create this character, you fraud. <laughs> It was all Steve Ditko's fucking work. No wonder he doesn't talk to interviewers anymore. He He's pissed off that everyone thinks that you did everything, but you're a jackass that can't play the fucking flute. <laughs> hey, when I got the comedy going, it gets going. Sam's theme. Oh, that reminds me. In Crap Formers Barely Anime, you know what they did to Soundwave? No. He's... Wait, they did they didn't give him a guitar, did they? They gave him a guitar. Actually, gotcha. actually Laserbeak is the guitar. What it is is, is a sound wave form is a van. And on top of it's a giant guitar. Oh, come to think of it, I do think I've seen it. <coughs> you just blocked it out? I just blocked it out. And, and the funniest thing is how... Uh, Mike's like, well, it brought Transformers back. And I'm like, I, I think even Neil would give Michael Bay more credit than that cartoon. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Transformers would have been back without animated. <laughs> Barely animated. Give it the right name. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, even Neil, who hates Michael Bay, would be like, Michael Bay brought Transformers back, not that cartoon. Did you, did you hear about uh, did you hear about uh, what Marvel did where basically Unicron and Primus were two ultimate forces of good and evil? Yeah. And Primus decided to become a planet and Unicron decided to become a, the first transformer and uh, stuff happened and yeah. stuff happened. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Not so good. 
The one thing that, that, like I said, that really gets me is in the cartoon, in the movie, there are serious implications on on life in the universe from the movie that biological life is in the minority in in mechanical life is in the majority that is never touched on. I think I watched them like, wait a minute. These are huge metaphysical implications here. And it it, it caught me immediately. Am I making too much of it or? No, it's true. It's like everywhere they go in the universe, there's a race of transforming robots. So it's so it's not just me. It's not just me being crazy or fanny. No, it's not you. Okay. Just making sure because some people are like, "Oh, you're taking it too seriously." I'm like, "Am I really?" Seems kind of seems kind of obvious to me. And they're like, "No, no, it's not really that obvious." I'm like, "Seems like it." Okay, I'm glad that you agree with me about that. That the implications are there and they're kind of silly. Yeah. Well. There's a lot of silly implications from that series. I wasn't the biggest fan of them introducing the Matrix. I was like, oh, why? You had a perfectly good sci-fi series. Why did you have to bring in the mystical force? Why? Well, the Matrix is actually a part of Primus' soul. Oh, that's even worse. See, if you actually played the Transformers War for Cybertron game, which isn't bad, but also isn't good, Optimus gets the Matrix from Primus himself in the core of Cybertron, but there's also all this bullshit about Dark Energon that was nowhere before because Energon in the original canon was not even... was just a container for oil. Yeah. And then I'm going to hear people bitching, well, they made it something better, and it's like, it's not better. Yeah, it was a container for oil and electricity and ruby crystals. All sorts of things that didn't quite make sense, <laughs> but that was—I thought that was a better fit for the series. It was two two factions fighting over resources. That's all it had to be, and then they oh, they screwed it up. <laughs> we need the magic MacGuffin, <laughs> and then we needed to do magic things to to the young hero, <laughs> make him grow and turn into a flaming Winnebago. I thought it was a dump truck. I don't know what it was supposed to be. It's not a dump truck, because there's no... Well, I had the toy. There's nothing to dump. It's just a... I thought it was a garbage truck. It's just... It could be a garbage truck. (laughs) Yeah, the toy. It's totally garbage. It could be a garbage truck, because it's so much garbage. Like I told you, the toy is just... It's just the front of the truck, you know? You... You transform the body into the front of the truck, and then you go get the other part of the truck and clip it on. It's the lamest toy in the whole series. Those as bad as Ultra Magnus? Uh, Ultra Magnus wasn't too bad because at least this, at least the whole part became part of the became part of the truck. It was it wasn't something that you took off and then hid behind your bed while he was in robot mode. Although that's kind of what oh. they did with. Well, you know, James Rolfe actually bitched about that for five minutes. <laughs> what? <laughs> when James Rolfe reviewed the Transformers animated movie, he made a point about... He was talking about continuity errors, and he brought up the, the trailer, and he bitched about it. And I'm like, all kids I knew got over that. Yeah. Ten and, years ago, at least. And I can kind of understand it with Prime, because that toy was made first, and they are like, okay, the, 
the trailer's cool, but it's got to go away when he's a robot. Well, they in the first episode, they actually made it become his mobile command station. Yeah. And it, it did that one other time, I think. And then there was the time with the uh, with Roller, who we try to forget. <laughs> roller. Come on, Roller was a bad idea. Come on, say it. Well, he was in the toy. Say it. Well, what what part of him was a bad idea? It's it's a little blinking toy Autobot that's Optimus Prime's little buddy that comes out of his ass. <laughs> See, I don't think of it like that. I just thought of him as like a little scout that that Prime could send out. What was ridiculous about him was that he sent he sent Roller in after after Bumblebee and Sparkplug because they were in danger. And then when the inside of the volcano exploded, he doesn't he doesn't worry about Sparkplug or Bumblebee. He goes Roller. <laughs> That's the part that just made me laugh. I'm like, oh no. So next week we're gonna do what we're gonna do uh This Week in Geek. Yes. How long's the show? Um No more than an hour usually. Okay. Usually I'd... So we're just gonna show up and talk about cartoons and what got us together and web comics and all that? Something like that, yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Can you get closer to the mic? Yeah, I was leaning away from the... Uh... The mic so Sorry. you can breathe? I made a reference that you didn't get. No. Yeah. Chocolate rain! Oh. Chocolate rain! Yeah. I can't do it. No. Chocolate rain! It's a chocolate rain. <laughs>